Hey guys, today we have a special, very special episode about something that's very near and dear to our hearts, a very serious issue going on at our alma mater, the illustrious Howard University. Um, I know a lot of people have heard about the sit-ins going on, so today's episode will be dedicated to that completely. And Leslie, I do, do believe you have something for us? Yeah, so just to bring y'all up to date on what's currently happening, President Wayne A.I. Frederick actually addressed the issues related to students' ongoing protests against his administration. Um, he apologized to anyone who was, quote unquote, inconvenienced by the problems that have been affecting Howard's student body this fall, which include moldy dorm rooms, flooding, crumbling ceilings, mice, and spotty Wi-Fi. Students have occupied the Blackburn University Center since October 12th. A more J. Blackburn. <laughs> with more protesters sleeping in tents outside. And they vow to remain until the demands are met for improved housing conditions, greater administration, transparency, and the restoration of representation on the board of trustees. President Frederick also acknowledged that the university needs to improve the way it handles housing concerns by conducting more preventative maintenance services, responding faster to complaints, and communicating more often with students about facility issues. University officials said that they have deployed additional staff into the campus's eight residence halls to conduct air sampling tests, moisture tests, mold remediation, more aggressive cleaning, as well as HVAC assessments. And I don't know if y'all heard about what happened with uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson. He recently visited Howard and he was actually hospitalized after falling and hitting his head on campus. He was meeting with university administrators, including President Frederick, to address the student complaints about all the living conditions. And the accident actually occurred right outside of Blackburn. And he was immediately transported to HUH, which is the Howard University Hospital. His results came back normal. They didn't see like any internal bleeding or anything like that, but they decided to keep him um, overnight just to, you know, monitor him. And this actually comes after he had recently had a, a, a huge and horrible bout with um, COVID-19 back in August to where he had to go and get um, rehab and physical therapy due to the complications with his Parkinson's disease. So definitely want to keep Reverend Jesse Jackson in our prayers and let's continue on to our interview. So today, guys, we have a very special episode again, like I said, and we interviewed a current Howard student, Miss Venus Amadi. So we're going to jump right into that and I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Hello. Good afternoon, y'all. My name is Venus Amadi. I'm a senior history major here at Howard University, um, but I'm also pursuing a minor in political science. My passions align with um, just studying history, but also um, most specifically, I think Howard definitely inspired um, me to look more critically at the, the conjunction of history and law, especially as it relates to African-Americans and really the black community at times. And there's definitely been so many times where history and law has transversed. So to me, that's definitely been, you know, the best thing about being here at Howard, just being awoken to those facts. I love that. I love that. You know, with all of us also being Howard Bison, we have had some experience living on and off campus. So today we really wanted to talk to you about what's going on in the Howard dorms and how has your personal experience been? My personal experience with Howard dorms. Um, so I will say right now, I live off campus at Maza Grandmark um, in College Park, Maryland. So I'm part of the group of students who live like 30 minutes. I would say it's about 25 minutes away from campus, but with traffic that can fluctuate. Um, as far as my personal experience with Howard campus, um, I lived on campus my last two years um, prior to the COVID pandemic. Um, so I did experience Towers, which is owned by Corvius, and I also experienced Annex. And I'll say personal experience, um, Howard housing is always sort of 
something that I feel students may need to like um, fight for sometimes. I mean, especially me, my own personal experience, my freshman year, um, it went okay. Like I definitely was able to get housing. But after that, my sophomore year, I showed up to campus housing on the first day of school or something like that. And I live in New Jersey. And I remember um, the RA telling me, or the GRA telling me that they didn't have any record of my housing, even though I had paid my housing deposit and, um, you know, gotten record of my room and everything, picked it out in time before I ever left the semester before. And so what had ended up happening was she told me there was no record of my housing and I was sitting there. Um, it was actually kind of a crazy experience because, like I said, I, I come from New Jersey. So she expected me to go back home or, I guess, find accommodation somehow. So I just I remember just sitting there and um, I ended up crying because honestly it was frustrating as like a sophomore um, having to think about housing, but knowing that you're coming from a different state and there's really no going back, uh, especially when you're, I guess in that space, I didn't have a car too. So it was definitely all on, it was definitely a lot of pressure at that time. And I remember like me and her just going to get into a heated discussion because she would not like kind of let me, like she wouldn't like try to find a record of my housing. I don't even know how that happened. They never do. But essentially, <laughs> yeah, but essentially I ended up um just arguing, not arguing with her, but just sort of um making my case because I mean, there was no way I was going home and it's something we pay for here on campus. Um, So I ended up getting um some form of housing. It was the double. Um, but, you know, the housing I had applied for was a single. So it definitely was not matching up to expectations I had as a 20-year-old getting back to campus or 19-year-old getting back to campus. Um, something similar, um, without going more into it, because I've had a lot of experiences at Howard Ray Campus Housing where it was just a struggle. I'm sure. But that's I can share a very I, similar story with you right now, actually doing the sophomore year when they came back and registered for housing in the towers. And they got there and told her that she did not have her housing which is crazy because I was there when she registered for it. I was literally there watching her on mm-hmm. the computer register for the housing and they told her that there was no housing for her. So Ridiculous. this is, it's, so this is something that's been an ongoing issue. It is. And mm-hmm. honestly, we should have yeah. burned the A building down the first time. I just don't know why we did it. Like, <laughs> whatever. It was so funny because um, they called it, there was a little phrase we used to use, it's called homeless at Howard. And I thought it was, when I first heard it, it sounded like, you know, those phrases like it sounds hysterical in a sense but mm-hmm. not in reality like what not in actual reality because i was like yeah. how can you i had to put myself on mute because i was for? busted up laughing homeless and Howard. <laughs> that's a fucking hashtag oh my Terrible. gosh man why didn't we have i wish we had had social media for real for real when this was popping jesus yeah. i mean it's still popping because i know like even this year getting housing was a struggle like i'll say um i, I live in maza now but in order for me to even get the housing I needed, so initially, so I will say I didn't pay the housing deposit last year because they were still on edge about whether we would be on campus. But we got to a point where they were given housing assignments, um, but they told us juniors and seniors don't have priority, so you may not get it. So essentially, I got put in like a double in the quad. Um, but as a 21-year-old now, I was like, there's no way I can necessarily what? live. Yeah, in COVID times, you know. Could you and say I, that I, I one more time so everybody can make sure they heard what they heard? <laughs> they they assigned me a double in quad and essentially as a as a what? Which as is a, a freshman senior? girls dorm. For the listeners who don't as know, the quad is the quadrangle. So there used to be I think there's five dorms here you dorms in there now. Yeah. But there are four in there. Well, there were four when it started, mm-hmm. now there are five. And it's a freshman girls dorm. So they assigned mm-hmm. a senior to a freshman girls dorm, a double at that. Hmm. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I Ridiculous. I actually decided not to even take them up on it. 
And so Did what I right ended thing. up doing, yeah, <laughs> I tried, I tried, I tried calling them, um, the residence life office just to be like, Oh, um, would you mind just looking into if there was any availability, honestly, um, because I knew they had off campus housing in Maza and, um, there's another place in DC as well. Um, but essentially what happened is no one picked up the calls. Um, but I did end up sending an email to every single person in that office. And that's when I got the assignment that worked with um, what I needed as a 21-year-old woman um, who couldn't really, especially in COVID times, I honestly don't think it makes any sense to share such posts, um, living, living, living space with people, because there's a lot of risk with that. And those rooms are not anything huge. If you walk into a room um, on campus, it's nothing you know, extravagant. So essentially right. what I'm saying is the space does matter, especially in this post-pandemic time where we do have to think about things like that. But before I end on this um, one question, I do want to say that there is admin there, there are people within Howard um, that can help and do help if you find them. And unfortunately, it's not across the board. But I'll say um, my sophomore year situation only got resolved because I had gone to an event called Healing at Howard. And I actually like talked about what was going on and um uh, I think it was one of the, there was an administrator there. He's no longer at Howard. I believe at the time he was the vice president of student affairs or something like that, but he was able to get me housing. But unfortunately, what I'm saying is without me being in that space, being able to reach the right person, I don't think my housing situation would have ever got resolved or I would have ever got to, um, at the time, tower seemed relatively better than being in a double because I would have been, had a I had a similar towers. So essentially, I just wanted to say that I don't think when it comes to housing, it's it's a struggle because you have to find individuals who care. But across the board, sometimes you don't get that response when you um call, you know. Yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting point that you brought up about about who you know and how we're that goes um, like across a multitude of ways. Like it's about who you know a lot of the times. But have you had any of your your own friends that were unable to get housing this year due to COVID or their housing has been unsafe because of there being such small quarters? So I would say, I don't think this is like a general opinion shared by everyone, but I certainly don't think any room where you're sharing with another individual is safe post-pandemic um, America. Because if you think about it, if your roommate, okay, granted, we do have a vaccine mandate. Um, so in order to live in a dorm, you have to be vaccinated. But I think it's very clear that the vaccine does not keep you from getting COVID and neither does it keep every single person that gets the uh, vaccine from, um, you know, having bad or negative effects from it. So what I'm saying is I think for us to live in a, a dorms or I guess some people don't have a choice. So when you get that housing assignment, there's not so many people who actually push or find different avenues because it is hard. And at that point, you're just trying to get to school to do some work and just, you know, you know, get this process going. So I think um, a lot of people are in dorms where they're sharing with triplets, doubles, and I don't see that as safe. Um, but in terms of do I know anyone who's been affected by the ongoing campus housing issues? Um, certainly, especially during my freshman year. I think the one thing about being a senior is that we do gain a certain level of autonomy where um, a lot of my peers in my, in my group or my um, classification at senior year, um, around junior year, and this is not a general statement, but we do get to a point where, you know, a lot of us have jobs and a lot of us really, um, after dealing with two years on campus, really don't look towards on-campus housing anymore. I wouldn't say it's everybody, but uh, it's really, it's, it's hard to put yourself in a position where you're looking towards on-campus housing ever again. 
um, especially because of it's not just the scarcity of it, it's also the policing we experience on campus in the dorm. Um, I'm sure, you know, you guys are all alumni, so you know how stringent it can be sometimes. Having that guests part. over is a stringent, <laughs> having part. guests over is a, it's a stringent process. As a freshman, um, I remember some of my friends, we want to have study groups, and the nature of college studying, sometimes it goes past 12 midnight, but that was not allowed. There was, like, such a strict um, limit on the time period that your friends could even be over in the dorm with you, and that's even in a study room. And so to right. me, that spoke over policing because I don't experience that on any other type of campus. So to me, it felt like as students, there was this sort of scrutiny on our lives that really was not necessary. Um, so in terms of people I know who've been affected by campus housing issues, I think there's a myriad of issues. And um, if over-policing is not talked about, even if we do get better accommodations, we're still subjected to rules that honestly, adults don't need to be subjected to. And like I said, there's a curfew before you could check someone in, there are certain things um, there for privacy and security. But to some degree, it, if we're all students on this campus, I don't see any reason why we can't necessarily move more freely throughout the campus, even in spaces like dorms, you know? Of course, we have our IDs, but like I said, you guys are alumni, so um, I don't know how the experience was back then, but I heard Howard has only got like a little bit more lenient lately compared to back then. I'm waiting to see what that leniency is, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> no, I'm saying relatively speaking, relatively speaking to y'all, has it was it worse back then? Because I don't know if now it's better. You know what I mean? Because I know in the like the 1900s, it was way better. You, you know, really like just, did you really just say the 1900s? No, we just don't have me drive was... down four hours to DC to whip your ass. Okay, don't have me come down there. No, that's not what I'm assuming. No, I'm saying I that you. in the 1900s, it was really bad at some point. So I'm wondering if, relatively speaking, um, it gets yeah, like... Well, the law of visitation, the reason that it supposedly was enacted is because they had a lot of people getting pregnant around that time. Because when every woman would go to Howard originally was to find a oh. husband. So that was the whole that was the whole obstacles for a lot of people going to Howard going forward. So then they would set the vegetation rules. It's just that those rules are so outdated. It's crazy. Yeah. Like the rules are from the 60s. You see what I'm saying? The rules have been in place since like the 60s and then shaped a little bit more in the 80s and then the 90s. Mm -hmm. And then we were there, of course, like in the 2010s and whatnot. Like it was mm -hmm. still ridiculous. Like we still have visitation. They would take it away. Mm -hmm. We never knew when we were going to get it. Like and if someone left the toilet dirty, they were like, no one gets visitation. Like what? What are you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. talking about so mm -hmm. the, nothing has changed nothing has changed i'm just wild it's crazy i'm yeah. on finding my husband at howard i need to go back and do over like <laughs> no but that was the whole thing like literally oh, you talk so to any of the, MRS. the other the right. professors they would always tell you they're like oh yeah women used to come here just to find their husband at howard that was the whole yeah. thing that they would yeah, come there for oh well not now because the the statistics were the other way the men go there to find their wives because the statistics are because <laughs> of the ratio. Like, like I, anytime yeah. when I'm outnumbered three, four, like four women to one, I'm like, I'm back at Howard. Oh, just I'm, I'm back. <laughs> this is but great. I definitely, I definitely understand where Venus is coming from as far as like um, the dorm situation because I stayed in the quad my freshman year, Frey Deuce. Shout mm -hmm. out to us. But we, of course, didn't have any air conditioning. Um, we had couple rodents in our room like I remember I came back one time and a rat had like eaten through the bread that we had like the oh bread yeah bagel. that happened to me a couple times for sure yeah so we definitely had rodents and then my sophomore year I stayed at the annex and I really didn't have any issues there 
Um, junior stayed in the East Towers. And <laughs> yeah, that, that whole place. Um, but yeah, and then I like you said, I look forward to moving off campus my senior year and I stayed in the towers. Um the the um UTC. What's it called? UTC? Yes, yes, UTC, yeah. exactly. Yeah. UTC. Yeah. Um, because it was more freedom because it was less policing, like you said, and we had more flexibility in UTC, which was off campus, and it was just a different um it was a different feeling because it was a mixture of college students, not just Howard, but like UMD also. Um, so I, I totally get where you're coming from. It's sad that, you know, what, 10 years removed, you know, there's still the same issues that students are. It's not 10 years. It's not 10 years. Chill out. Chill be out. proud. Chill we out. Be 10 years it ain't 10 yet, out. girl. You're not about to put. <laughs> Again, for the about record, it ain't 10. for me. Wow. <laughs> Kristen and I. Wow. But I, I'm just going to say, I my freshman year, I actually had a pretty bad experience. Um Ooh. I did pay my housing deposit, but I didn't have anywhere to stay. But I came from Pennsylvania, so equally it's kind of far. Um, so that's why I had to stay in Meridian, the sophomore dorm, my freshman year. There was about a whole floor of us, Meridian, second floor. And that was like a few um, freshmen on the sixth floor. But they tried to keep this at least in one area for the most part. But the fact that I've never even been inside the quad because I've lived... Wow in meridian my freshman year i've been in the annex you never went inside also, I didn't have, no i forgot my id went. the one time i was about to go over there i forgot my id wow so i've been every dorm i've been every dorm in the all that. but immediately after <laughs> wow. that i <laughs> i couldn't really stay in a howard dorm the next year so mm -hmm. just for other reasons i so i lived off campus the rest of my time so i only really experienced the dorm issues uh, my freshman oh. year but to see people now doing these protests and sleeping in tents and all that, like, yeah, that's, I understand that we definitely had a lot of dorm issues, but to see that, that just really makes me, like, my heart hurt for all these Howard yeah. students right mm -hmm. now, because I don't know what I would have done. I would probably have gone home. I'm going to tell you that. I've never yeah, slept in yeah. a tent in my life, so I would have went home. <laughs> No, you know what? You're. It's so true because they are sacrificing their time, their effort, um, and really like, and also you're in school and like college is such a rigorous process by itself. Imagine doing that while um, advocating for the entire student body. And honestly, right, with this whole protest, um, part of their demands is academic amnesty because like think about how much possible coursework they might be missing being out there. And I think that's actually the biggest question that Howard students sometimes have to ask ourselves. Um, because while I was going through all these issues, because it wasn't just housing issues, okay? There was issues with financial aid. There was all these types of issues. And as a freshman, I feel that's unnecessary stress, unnecessary stressors, organizational, you know, academic. And there's just so many stresses that don't need to exist in a time that you're already trying to acculturate to this new environment. So essentially, um, the way I feel about the protests going on, I remember when I found out it was starting, I wasn't even um, close to these, the DMV area. Yeah, I was all the way back from Jersey. And so in my head, I was like, wow, these are things that we've all felt like internally battled with, taught about how do we get out of this? And sometimes you're not, you don't feel like you have the courage or even the time to advocate for these issues. So I honestly feel just like proud that we're part of this generation and more importantly, I'm happy to some degree that we didn't let the cause die because essentially, um, as Dr. Cyrus Hampton said, he's a master instructor in the Howard department, English department. Um, this is a result of like a history of neglect, um, student, of student education, safety, general well-being. 
And essentially, he mentioned that this is, um, this is we're facing a crisis of accountability. Here we have students who are actually pushing for accountability on multiple issues. And those demands show that, yes, they're not, there's four demands, there's four basic demands, and we could get into that later in the conversation. But That's essentially, coming. all these demands, <laughs> yeah, all these demands have a reverberating effect on the culture on campus, because it's very clear that, I mean, just think about the idea of governance, like, it's very clear that the student body, the faculty, and the alumni have minimal say in the things that go on. Um, and it's unfair, because think about the money we're putting into this um, institution. And so, how is there no say in policies and living situations that literally affect our lives? And um, I think as it relates to academic performance, um, we're putting a lot on the line um, to stay at Howard and then think about what more they're putting on the line to advocate um, for better conditions at Howard. Um, and certainly I do think it's gonna have a reverberating effect in HBCUs and possibly other universities as well. Because I don't think Howard is singular in this category of perhaps not necessarily um, paying attention to what the student body needs um, or what they want. I'm glad you actually brought that up because I actually transitioned to the next question, because this protest actually really will be a sounding board for like the rest of the other dorms, like we're at Fisk or rather at Tuskegee or Jackson State or any of the other HBCUs that are having these difficulties. So do you personally know anyone that's taking part in the protest sit-in, correct, right now? Yes. Um, so I would say the student body has been super um, collective in our, in our support for this. So um, I'm part of this organization called the Pan-African Historic uh, Society. Um, we just got officialized this year. Part of what our focus on is sort of interrogating the current systems we live in, especially in the imperialist um, discourse um, that really circumvents our lives um, in the Western world, and trying to figure out how we can sort of push against that in certain spaces. Um, so essentially, with this protest going on, um, there were so many currents within all these issues that we're fighting against Kara Howard that just scream um, vestiges of, you know, over-policing Black education sometimes. Um, think about how the police respond to the protest. Think about how even sometimes the wording used to describe the protesters um, scream that, you know, the administration may not necessarily be in support necessarily. Um, because they from aren't. the first day, the from press the first that we're getting right now isn't isn't necessary. Like the the press that Howard has been putting out on it isn't in support of the students. Like all, right. all like the only press that we get is the president saying they should leave and then we'll talk. And we're like, no, how about you fix it and then we'll leave. You know, so that's what we've been right. getting. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting to. Essentially, all that is to say that, like, in terms of who's at the sittings, um, there's certain there's certain parts of the organization that have gone to the sittings, like my friend Jordette, um, the other people on the e-board. Um, and then there's, even in, like, like I said, there's a lot of solidarity across the organizations on campus. So every single organization on campus, um, most of them have put out a statement of solidarity um, and there's so many organizations on campus. Um, as I described our mission within that organization, there's so many organizations on campus who are interrogating sort of the, the, the normative systems that surround us that honestly are not um, aiding us in any way, um, including within our education. So here at what we call the Mecca, we do experience um, a community of people who are like-minded in that regard. So we are pushing against a lot of those issues. But it's a matter of, um, you know, a lot of us are, well, I wouldn't say a lot of us. I personally have not been at the protest, but I would say, like, you know, in terms of solidarity and support, 
Um, we're all, you know, giving in how we can. Some people are donating. So there's different forms of assisting as well. Some people are donating food um, or even just supporting and spreading that media content so that people can know what's going on at Howard. Because um, like you mentioned, it is going to be like a sounding board for what goes on at other universities. Because I certainly don't think it's just the HBCU issue either. Um, you know, maybe we're oh, just... Oh, no, for sure. There, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I'm glad you said that. Because like actually attached to that report there was a news article that was talking about it i want to say it was the post and they had other universities that were smaller you know and just mm -hmm. don't have you know the endowment or just like the funding or just any just any type of um, awareness that can get people to do this so howard will really be this you know, like the stepping stone to actually hoping get those issues fixed as well so i mean it's crazy yeah. you know it's like it's a domino effect you know one thing happens the next and the next and it goes on to the the next thing mm -hmm. so what do you think the pulse of campus is right now like, what is, like, the overall pulse of campus? Like, when you're on there, like, do you feel it? Is it in the air? Like, everybody's, like, revolution in this bitch. Or everybody's, like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to keep going brick by brick and, you know, and try to chip away. You know, and I think it's very important. That's why I mentioned in the last question that everyone is working at it at, like, diverse angles. Just because of the, just because of the nature of the literally various forms of oppressive situations that people are going through. People are trying to pick what they can fight against. So for example, there's people who go through issues with the meal, plan, the meal plan they have. So I would say the pulse on campus is certainly diverse in the response. Um, and as it relates to really how people are feeling, I can't say generally what everyone is feeling, but I'll say it depends on the space you're in. It's gonna relate to how you react to it. But I do wanna get specific here on this question. Um, the pulse on campus is certainly, um, from what I've seen from the live movement, who's the actual organization leading the protest, the demands have not been met. So the pulse on campus is certainly, as it relates to this protest, it's certainly, without the demands being met, I believe in the words of Anaya Vines, the person who started this organization, the live movement, they will escalate because it's been over 29 days at this point now, um, and nothing has happened. You know, the pulse on campus, especially within the protest that's going on, it certainly seems that, you know, without any of the demands really being regarded, um, there's a certain feeling in the air that nothing is being done. And there's not really much support coming from administration in regards to this. I do see the efforts that um, President Frederick has put out through those emails. You know, they said that they're checking through um, certain dorms, making sure mice and all that stuff is dissolved, but that is not getting to the core of the issue. Um, it's really not because, like we said, there's four separate demands. And um, whenever you want to get into that discussion, um, we could definitely go into what those demands are. But the majority of students are, but do I think the majority of students are in support of the sit-in? I can't speak the, for the majority, but I would say that how could you not be in support of the sit-in, especially when the students who are at those sit-ins are literally fighting for better conditions for all of us. And that's how I see it, honestly, because whatever gets changed by this um I see it as a revolution of some sort. Whatever gets changed is going to literally affect all of us. Um, everyone is going to benefit from better accessibility to housing. Um, everyone is going to benefit from more accountability as it relates to tuition rises, housing plan. We're all going to benefit essentially from a more democratic or I guess a more, I don't want to use a political term, but I guess we're all going to benefit from a in an administration that cares about our opinions and our needs and our wants as it relates to our education.
so you know us bison we take so much pride in attending howard being a graduate of howard you know we love to say we attended the illustrious howard university so right now with everything that's going on all the media coverage is getting um the non-responsiveness of the administration how do you feel right now um overall being a student at the illustrious howard university you know what's crazy as it relates to how I feel being at the illustrious Howard University. I think the student body has always been aware of the failures um, as it relates to administration conduct towards us. So I, um, from my freshman year, um, exactly. Actually, I think um, the first day I arrived on campus, I realized that things were much different than I expected it to be. It did take a large adjustment, but essentially I got to a place where I found um, the major that really aligned with my passion and um, what I felt actually awakened something in my soul. So I would say that, how do I feel at Howard University? I would say, I don't think I could have been a humanities major anywhere else on earth. I say this um, at internships, I say this to anyone who wants to hear because I think humanities is a different kind of study. And Howard has this long history of really actually having such a rigorous and rich humanities field. Um, I'm a history major, but you know, the research we conduct and the way the faculty, so I will say this, the faculty at Howard are some of the most genius individuals I've ever met. And that's from freshman year to senior year, um, because the way they, the way everything, for example, like I said, with law or history, um, all our lives, we learn history of law from the perspective of the Western discourse, really. Um, so we're always learning about it as it relates to really communities that don't really relate to us and mm -hmm. our history but at Howard there's always an infusion of our history in every single um, subject and really it, it's it makes it relevant but it also lets you see things a lot differently so for me being a student at Howard I would say I've been enlightened by being here I've been enlightened by the faculty and I've been enlightened by the community that um, accepted me here at Howard so I would say we fill this community with one another with um the student body with the faculty and with alumni, you know? Um, but I would not say that this extends across the board. Um, and I think I've seen similar sentiments around too, you know, cause we do appreciate our faculty. Um, like I said, they are genius and they impart something in you. And, and this is the first place on earth where I felt um, teaching was so impactful because not only were they just teaching us things, they were, they wanted us to succeed really truly. And so in every form, they will support us, you know? So I do wanna say the faculty, you know, they deserve a lot more than what they're being put through um, because I would say just like them, I mean, just like us, they're experiencing a form of um, something that they're fighting against as well, um, trying to make better conditions for them to work here as well. Um, so I would say being a student here at Howard is knowing that components of the university are supportive and components of the university are here to make sure you succeed. Um, but also knowing that certain things um, are failing you in your education and um, should not exist if you want a more stress-free environment to thrive sometimes. And I'm not saying we don't thrive here because we do, but a lot of times it comes after we go through a lot. I would say for me and um, you know, some of my friends, um, I remember one of my friends, she told me about a situation where she was crying in front of financial aid. And I'll say, I've cried in front of um, financial aid. <laughs> like, you know, hello, hello somebody. <laughs> I, I wasn't crying, I was yelling and cussing, but I understand, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, understand. I really do. As a freshman, you're like, wait, yeah. because, you know, it, it, it could be 
I think sometimes you cry out of frustration. Mm -hmm. So I definitely see it in all forms, you know. So I would say that those traumatic moments don't have to exist. And it doesn't, but I would say it does not really affect how I feel about my department. And I definitely believe that that's what makes Howard special because regardless of what goes on um, in terms of how they manage the money, there's also communities within Howard that really do embrace um, or actually enlighten the Black consciousness. So to me, that that was something I, I will say about um, Dina Howard. Okay, so with that being said, would you still recommend Howard University to others moving forward as a place to continue their education? Wow. Um, so I recommend Howard University. With what I said earlier about my major, I think one has to ask themselves very serious questions before considering any university. So what do you want to do with your life? And that is a loaded question, and it takes some soul searching. Um, so in terms of trying to figure out if, whether you should go to Howard, everyone who's considering Howard should watch how the administration reacts to this protest because that lets you know what you're going to be dealing with. It gives you a realistic expectation of the environment you're coming to. Um, but I would not say I don't recommend Howard, but I'm just saying um, get all the information before committing to any school. Um, a lot of the financial aid issues we experience, I think if I did a lot more research, I would have been able to, um, I guess, pick better in a sense. Um, but I also think um, to some degree, I was able to, you know, even with all the issues I went through, I did have to go through a struggle. So this also brings up questions of, do you want to go through a struggle? Do you think a struggle, because I don't think a struggle needs to happen in order to drive the school. And I think it's very archaic um, for anyone to exalt a struggle while you're trying to achieve, because I think life and education in the modern world is hard enough already, especially on mm -hmm. students, on young adults. So it's a matter of doing all your research, having some real candid conversations with alumni and people who are currently at Howard and seeing how you could fit into the um, community. Because honestly, I think also um, certain housing issues, right? I think, okay, you know what? I also think at Howard class, um, I don't want to say this, but I think economic class matters a little bit. I think people who are a bit more well-to-do do not experience all the issues that we experience. Like, you know, I come from, I don't even know what I would call it, middle class, <laughs> lower middle class mm -hmm. family. You know, I grew up in Nigeria, so we came here um, with visions to succeed and the motivation to do so, especially as it relates to education. So what I'm saying is the financial aid issues I've had and I've gone through breakdowns for, I don't think someone um, who was a bit more economically well-to-do would have had any issues with, right? Because that would have been all taken care of. There would have been no issues. And as it relates to housing, not everyone is subjected to Howard housing because, you know, some people can afford to live in D.C. off campus. Um, we know as students that that can be very hard to handle all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is, I think that's something that's not talked about enough, but you could see how, just like, I guess, in other parts of a capitalist society, being rich or being more well-to-do actually puts you in a position of not necessarily experiencing all the um, failures of administration because it just wouldn't affect you that way. So, and I think that also leads to why sometimes even within the support for the protest, some people are like, oh, it wasn't that bad, but okay, but what circumstances were you placed in for you to say it was not that bad? Because not everybody would have the same experience, especially based on your economic class sometimes, you know? Right. That, that's an excellent point that you just made, because um, people do have different experiences from different lenses, depending on what they have and where they're coming from. So that's an excellent point. Um, you've made a lot of great points, and we appreciate you for coming on and having this conversation. I guess my last question would be to just, uh, to sum it all up, essentially, what changes do you think need to be made right now in order to move forward? 
the change that needs to happen is a deep reckoning. Okay, so at the core of all our issues, really, I think, is a lack of imagination on how education could be. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of things have not changed in the education industry for years. Like sometimes people think these things are normal. They're like, yeah, administration is not supposed to respond to you guys. You guys are students. Like, why do you think you need a space on the board of trustees? You're just students. You're just, you know, and there's a lot of these archaic ideas that really just don't have no place in more free society um, if we say we have one. So what I'm saying is for the administration, for us to have any sort of change in um, at Howard, I think it goes all the way down to the core. So it's not just housing that has issues. People have issues with housing. I mean, with um, meal plans, people have issues with the Wi-Fi in their dorms. That really affects your work capabilities and your access to different jobs sometimes. You know, people have issues with, you know, mental health comes into it because you're going through all these various issues and here you are struggling. So sometimes people need access to resources that help with their health. And from what I'm from what I've heard from different accounts, that may not always be accessible to everybody. So what I'm saying is, you know, I think they definitely need to listen to demands, but there needs to be an open forum because apart from those four demands, and I think we should talk about them now. So the first demand is um, a town hall with president, the administration, student body. Um, and I think that would actually give us a forum. So that would actually give us a forum. So not a virtual one and not one that does not um, include all those facets. And one thing that I've been seeing is that the people who are actually participating in the city and the people who have set this whole thing in motion, and I'll say um, that includes the live movement, apparently they're not the ones being put at that table. And so I think it needs to be a bigger table that includes most people and the people who are really interested in this work. Um, so essentially, that's the first demand. The second demand is voting rights for students, faculty, and alumni to be reinstated to the Board of Trustees. As I said earlier, governance, I believe, is very important for us to even have any form of, you know, belief that this is a, a university where we have a say or our say is valued. Because in terms of speaking, if no one is listening, then there's no sort of communication being done there. So I think having votes on the Board of Trustees would definitely be beneficial because um, we've had a tuition spike recently, and I'll say I don't see, um, some people call it unsubstantiated, and I would say that is a good word for it, because why would there be a tuition increase, um, even though we spent a year at home, with Howard not necessarily having to pay, um, you know, when you're in class, they have those fees they have to pay for, you know, we keeping the lights on, all those different things, and I think it's unfair to people who just came out of a pandemic to have to face a risen tuition. I was someone who was able to pay for um, my tuition out of pocket once the housing was out the picture. Um, but then with the tuition spike, it kind of got to a point where, okay, this is an extra thousand and something dollars. Um, I just think that's unfair. So I think the voting rights do matter in that regard. We should have a say in those kind of things. And housing plan that actually shows where our tuition is going and legal, academic, and disciplinary amnesty. Because something is that, you know, some people feel scared to come forward or even show their face in terms of support because they don't know if they're going to get disciplined um, by the administration or lose access to scholarships or these kind of things. So I think Amnesty would definitely put in a sort of feeling where people are comfortable and courageous to speak out. So, like I said, all this communication has a lot to do with um, the core of what could change at Howard, but it's only going to matter if they're listening. Um, but if essentially, um, I know something, these are just four demands, but there's a lot of other what was that third demands. third demand? Definitely missed the third one. With the third, third one? 
the third one was the housing plan that shows where our tuition is going. Okay, and the fourth one was amnesty, amnesty uh-huh. legal. And I was just saying, so these are the demands that um, I got from live movement that I've seen from the live movement. But I know there's organizations on campus that are drawing up demands to sort of augment those demands. Um, I wouldn't say that. So what I'm saying is there's so many other demands within the student body. And without that open forum for people to voice those demands, how do we know which one is actually going to be honored, valued, listened to, and actually implemented? So I think actually when I say a reimagining of education, I think the value in the student body, the faculty, and the alumni need to be reinstated on all fronts. So listening to what the community that make up Howard wants, listening to where they want their money to go. And it all has a lot to do with accountability, like we said, because Howard does get in thousands and millions of dollars. And the students really have got to a point where they're like, okay, well, where is it going? Because if we're struggling in all these fronts, housing, meal plans, mental health, these different stressors, then where's all the money going essentially? So I think there are a lot of, there's a lot more demands. So I don't want to say those are the only four. But I'll say that's the that, those are the four demands right now in order for the protest to actually get somewhere, or at least for the protest to actually know that the administration is listening. So those are the four demands I would say. Um, and as for what do I think needs to change, you know, I think that's a loaded question because over policing of education is another front. Yeah, the list, it's, the list is, is long. long. Over-policing education is a real front that needs to change. And that's why I said it. it really goes down to the core vestiges of like sort of this mindset of, you know, trying to police black people in different fronts. Because I do think what goes on at the dorms our freshman year is a form of sort of just over-scrutinizing our lives or assuming a, a quote-unquote pregnancy issue, I feel, is an assumption on our modern day because... It absolutely is. Where is this idea that we're just here to have kids coming from? Because mm-hmm. I'm just... I'm just going to say this. It's like women were constantly sort of put like there's this perception that honesty seems like it's just circumventing our, their expectations of us as black women or as black men that we're just here to not get an education at that point. No, I mm-hmm. think all these assumptions need to be left and we need to move to a point where our roles only serve to actually benefit our education here. And there's not an over scrutiny on the lives of students because we do have um, rights to privacy. That's an actual right. Um, and as it relates to, um, you know, I, I guess I didn't talk about mold and mice today, um, but you know, the first, the second question you asked me if I know anyone who's experienced mold and mice. Um, I don't know a single person who lived in Drew or Cook who has not seen a mice. I'll just end it there. <laughs> well, I too. Back I mean, when I, was I, there, I lived so in I... Drew Hall in 218, and there were mice when I was there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, news. I used to always say I stayed in the most famous Cringe project in the world. thinking about it. Oh, God. No, it was, it's the most famous project in the world, man. Drew Hall. <laughs> I was going to say, you brought up a great point about the transparency of the funds. Like, where is all this money going? Because, you know, Howard gets money every year from the government. Uh, what Jeff Bezos' ex-wife donated millions or billions, however much she Apple. donated. Like, exactly. Howard gets all this money and every sports single team year. Sucks. We need so, like, where is the money going? Where is it going? Because if it was like Michigan or Kentucky, I'd be like, all right, okay, I understand the sports. That makes the dollars okay. But like, all the teams are bad <laughs> except uh, what the girls' softball and like girls' golf or something. So, like, yeah, every team is bad. Yeah, so, like, so you're not paying for boosters. So, what are you paying for? Well, we just did this over here. No, it can't be. So, because the, the staff, the staff, the staff didn't make that much money. So, what are you paying for? So, what is it? Which right. lie is it? Is it the lie that you're paying the staff, or is it the lie that you just built this shit? 
Yeah, I just think at least if they want to rebut what people are assuming, because I think people are only in the position where we can assume. There just needs mm-hmm. to be transparency. And the only way they're going to have that is honestly if there's more open communication about things. And honestly, like I said, without that forum being administered, like without a forum where um, students can reach administrators or faculty and alumni can actually um, speak and, you know, make their case be known, I don't think that'll happen. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys, um, are you familiar with Corvius? Because I do think we can't talk about the administration without talking about the private partnerships. No, I'm, I'm not. not familiar with it. I know like they've taken over and of some of the drawings, but I don't know the ins and outs of it. So I can't really speak to it. Mm-hmm. So with Corvius, I do. Oh, go on. I said, speak your mind though. Go ahead. This free flow. Oh, no, the only reason I brought it up, honestly, is because I think, you know, the onus is certainly on the administration to, um, you know, hold their partners accountable. But Corvius currently manages East Towers, West Towers, Quad, and what was it? I think Drew and mm-hmm. Cook. Let me let me reference the list. But there's a specific list. It's East Towers, West Towers, and it might be Drew and Cook, I, th- I believe. But essentially, they manage about 60% of the dorms on campus, at least um, since 2015. And so Corvius is a company that essentially during a time when they they basically assist with infrastructure so basically howard pledges those two um the money that we pay in rent um at east towers and any of these dorms to corvius so corvius gets all that money but what they do is that they're supposed to manage renovate and really maintain those buildings those infrastructure because howard got in a partnership with them around 2016 2017 um, at a time that I believe that they must have been going through financial issues in terms of underfundedness. We, I have no idea um, that history, but I do know that's when they got into that deal. And so Corvius is a company that assists um, public um, or even private entities. Actually, they work with Prince George's County um, now. So they're actually like, they work with certain organizations. They also work with the military, but their job is to assist with infrastructure, they say. And so what I'm saying is, they're supposed to handle renovations and they're also going to supposed to handle things like what people are experiencing with the mold. So at a, when you're talking about a housing issue and also interesting enough, a Congress letter was written by Elizabeth Warren. And I believe there was another rep that wrote it. Um, it was in reference to Corvius. They wrote it to the CEO of Corvius because they accused him of basically putting profits first over public health during COVID-19. And um, I don't want to, well, let me just get into it. Essentially, there's a lawsuit being waged um, by some military families in Fort Bragg due to conduct with Corvius. So essentially- I was just um, about to they, say, that they, is the reason I know Corvius now because the military, yeah. The yeah, family. the military, they handle yeah. a lot of housing in different forts. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the mismanagement of those properties, I believe a roof collapse in Fort Bragg, something like that, but that there's exactly a large lawsuit being waged. Yeah, now. we should have asked Terrence about that. He knows all about that story. Yep. And so they're responsible, I actually found it. So they're responsible for financing, renovating, managing, operating, and maintaining. This is a 40-year man- this is a 40-year partnership. And where all revenues revenues are pledged to Corvius. So at the same time that they're gaining all this money, where is the renovation and where is the um, accountability on how they're operating and how they're maintaining these buildings? Because wow. essentially what the military families are putting in a class action lawsuit for is what student at Howard are facing. And so mm-hmm. there's also another um, thing that happened with Corvius. Um, essentially, the University System of Georgia, and I believe it was 
wait, let me let me actually get that down. So it was the University City, um, University System of Georgia. Apparently in August 2020, some documents revealed that leadership in Corvius pushed the university system against alternate forms of education in order to make sure that housing was something that was, you know, available. Because with these private yeah. partnerships, in order for them to make money, people have to be in those dorms. And especially during COVID, so what happened was apparently, so like we talked about how Corvius gets all that rent that we pay as students, right? Mm -hmm. So when COVID happened and people needed refunds, apparently within the university system of Georgia, they had to give those refunds out. So basically within their contract, Corvius didn't even give those refunds out. So this basically puts a lot of these institutions which partner with Corvius at sometimes bad situations. Um, I know you've heard President Frederick reference that Howard is sending out crews to clean up this mess, when in actuality, with the deals that they have with Corvius, Corvius should be responsible for maintaining, renovating those buildings. So I'm just saying, mm -hmm. even though um, I do believe the onus is on Howard to work with their partners in order to make sure their um, things are being met, that is a for-profit company. And from the mm -hmm. conduct that I've seen um, with the class social lawsuits being waged by military families and for Brad, Plus, you know, a little bit of the scandal they had with the University System of Georgia. It's all um, screaming that more investigation needs to be done. Because I don't have all the facts, but I certainly think the Congress, the Congress letter is evidence of something a bit more serious going on. And even you though sure they weren't tweeted about it. not a communications major? Because this sounds like the shit we used to do. Because I was like... Wow, like, have you taken reporting and writing? You can tell us if you have. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't taken reporting and writing, but I do want to go to law school, so I don't know if that's... Well, that's, yeah, that's another piece of it. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to say that definitely sounds like you're, you're ready to get lawyered up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can see you, yeah, Esquire, so just... Venus Amati, Esquire. I can see it. Right. I see it right now on the desk, girl. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate they, you bringing that to life because we didn't is. know how deep it ran. Like we didn't know anything about the Corvius stuff. So thank you for bringing that up and bringing that to life for a lot of people because this is a mess. To, yeah. to put it simply, it's a mess. And I only I brought that up to say, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I definitely want to look more into this, this partnership. Yeah, so we're definitely going to have to. We're not there. A, yeah, we're definitely going to do a follow-up episode on this for sure. Because unfortunately, mm -hmm. we just don't have enough time in this episode to really go into the depths of this issue. It seems like it's an abyss. Like, I thought there was yeah. a bottom. Apparently, there isn't. <laughs> it's going deeper and deeper and deeper. We're in the Marianas Trench right now looking at the core of the earth. This shit is crazy. So... <laughs> We're definitely going to have a second episode for sure. We'll definitely have to have you back here, sure. Samadhi. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm sorry if I'm like super long-winded. No, so no, no, no. We love it. This, uh, this is a long-winded podcast. You may not have heard our other episodes, but we keep the shit long here, okay? We don't, we, we, we are the unabridged millennial, okay? Unabridged. Okay, we got things to say, okay? Talk about that's it. That's cool, that's cool. That's one of our phrases. Talk about it. It is. Phrase too. I actually was saying that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. Venus, right. you I fuck with you, man. You can come on to New York anytime, man. You're welcome in Harlem. <laughs> come through. I bet. I definitely have to visit there. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was an amazing conversation, one that needed to yes. be brought to life. And I feel like you were the perfect person to speak to to speak to what's going on at Howard now. And we definitely have to have you on for part two. Um, just to see what the status is. Hopefully, some things will have changed for the better when we do have you on again. But we appreciate you so much for coming on, Venus. Thank you so much. 
Yes, thank you, girl. We just really want you to know that we appreciate you, you taking out this time to talk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's nice to meet all of you on that. I'm glad to be connected with alumni. Have a good day, y'all. Thank you again. All right. Thank Thank you you so much. Have a good night. night.